Man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be at church today. I, I know I say that a lot, but it, church is so much exciting, more exciting on Sundays than it is on like Monday afternoon. When all you guys are gone and at work, it's just kind of quiet around here. And on Sundays, it's just like, yeah, ever, the family's here. Today we're going to be in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. If the kids would have been in here today, we might have sung a song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. You know the rest. I'm not sure why we find this scripture to be so popular amongst kids' church. We always teach this in kids' church, right? It, it's, we all remember hearing about this in Bible school or, or, or children's church. I don't know. Maybe it's because it talks about being short, and kids deal with being short, uh, may, maybe because it involves climbing trees, and kids love climbing trees. But this is just one of those stories that always seems to make it in children's church. But I think today there's, there's quite a bit for us in this as well that goes just a little bit further than maybe we have before. So this morning I invite you to stand one more time with me. And, and as we hear the word of the Lord from Luke 19, we'll go verses 1 through 10. He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not see because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he, lo- he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord, and we say... Thanks be to God. You can be seated. I, I do think that there's a lot here for us today in this text. And, um, and so I, I want to digest just a little bit here. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you something a little uh, funny about this text, and then, and then we'll, we'll dive into it. But last week we talked about grammar, and I'm not going to make any more jokes. But, but in Greek, word order doesn't matter. So it... Our grammar just kind of goes out the window. So essentially, uh, in, uh, in verse 3, it says he was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So in sentence, there's two people, right? There's he being Zacchaeus, and there's Jesus. Then we get this, ad, this little clause over here that says, he, because he was short in stature. And we've always just given that to Zacchaeus because nowhere else in the Bible does it talk about Jesus being short. But some people, some scholars like to make a joke when they preach this and say, proof that Jesus was a short guy. It, I just had to throw that in. Because if you think about it, like we talked about last week, grammar, it just says that because he was short in stature. And it doesn't clarify which he we're talking about here. So maybe Jesus was a short dude and Zacchaeus might have been like 7'2", in which case our song is all wrong. But that's neither here nor there and matters absolutely nothing. I just, that was completely free. Um, that, that was not included in your membership. Um, so 
I'll, I'll... Well, let's look at, the, at the, what the Scripture actually says and get started here. So, if we take a look at, G, at verse 5. Some of the older translations use a word that I like there. Some translations say that it behooved Jesus to go to Zacchaeus' house. And some say that Jesus must stay. That's the version we said today. The word, the word that they use right there for behooved or must, it, it literally means that it was necessary. It, it had to happen. It, it needed to happen. And there are things in life that you, we would prefer, and there's things in life that are necessary. If you've ever ho- owned a home, you're probably far too familiar with this concept, right? There are tons of things throughout the house that you would probably like to change or improve or see done. You would prefer that the shutters be painted, or you'd prefer that there be a fence in the yard. You would prefer that the neighbors would be a little further away because they have that little yippy dog that just gets on your nerves. You'd prefer to have your shower redone because those old spots there, they just don't come clean anymore, and you're tired of looking at it, tired of scrubbing. You would prefer it, but the shower still works. But oftentimes, the things that we would prefer to spend our money on in our house... They get moved down the list, right? Because of all the things that are necessary. So, right before Brittany and I got married, Brittany bought a house in Kentucky, in Auburn, Kentucky, and we loved this little town that, that, that we lived in. And, of course, then we got married, and so I moved into the house, and we hadn't been married for too long, and we got home from work one day, and we walk in the kitchen, and we look up, and the ceiling is bubbled. And we think, oh, okay, you know, great. There's, there's a leak somewhere. Well, then Brittany does what anyone would do to a bubble, right? You reach up. It wasn't hundreds of gallons of water or anything, but water did come falling down. And, you know, it was like, well, and then we could obviously see, now that there was a hole, we could see that there was a leak in the roof and it was... You know, we, she'd only lived in that house for a few months, and I'd only been there maybe even for a few at this point. And so, all of a sudden, our preferences kind of went out the window, right? We looked at it, and we said, all right, it is necessary <laughs> that something be done to this roof. And so, your preferences, they get moved down the list. Jesus' statement to Zacchaeus here is quite interesting. It wasn't... Oh, Zacchaeus, it would be so nice if I could just come by and see your new place. I've been meaning to get there and just haven't made it. You know, I, I, I've, I've read about it on Facebook. I need to see it. But rather, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, necessary. I must stay at your house. It's, it's as if there was no other way. No other way things could happen. While this seems strange and maybe even overly stated by Jesus... We have to accept that, that this is what Jesus said, and we kind of have to deal with it. You see, there are things that we think that God might prefer that they happen. In reality, God is saying, hey, those things are necessary. These aren't just preferences that I'm giving you. It's not that in Scripture God just said, oh, and here's some good things that you might think about doing and being about. Those things like feeding the hungry and clothing the naked... Those weren't really preferences. You see, to be the people of God, those are necessities. And so God is giving us a distinction here of those things. 
God is saying that these things are necessary just as Jesus stopping in and staying with Zacchaeus. Why might this be? Well, I don't have a for sure answer because the text doesn't really give it to us. Yet, this is a great place for us to think about and engage mentally what God could be doing through this. If it was necessary for Jesus to be there, then this is not just the best thing for Zacchaeus. This is the best thing for Jesus. I mean, let's be real. Crowds, the crowd's response is more than enough for us to realize that Jesus is obviously making some kind of statement by going to Zacchaeus' house. Much like Matthew, the tax collector, Zacchaeus was not everyone's favorite guy in town. Those tax collectors have terrible reputations for stealing and lying and getting just a little bit more out of people. Surely it would, be nece- it would not be necessary for Jesus to go to his house. You would think it might even be necessary for Jesus to stay away from that house. But if this really is the Messiah, no one's going to be looking for him in the home of the tax collector. Hmm. Maybe that's the point. You see, Jesus' actions didn't reveal that God was changing. It was not that the Father was just deciding, huh, Jesus is going, oh, there's a dude over there. Yeah, uh, go over there. You guys need to meet. Go. But rather, maybe this is showing us that, that we were wrong about God all along. That the people that were present there just had this misconception of who God was. So it's not that God is changing, but maybe that we were just wrong about it. The one who came to save the people from their sin is not hanging out with the kings and royalty, but spending time with the tax collectors. This has got to be heresy. Or maybe we were just totally wrong. The sad part is, is at least those people had an excuse. We can cut them a little bit of slack. Because they were present as this was all unfolding, right? They, they didn't have any... any they, they, had read, they knew Torah, and they were expecting the Messiah, but, but they were present as it was unveiling, and so they were just kind of confused and trying to figure it out. But today, for us, we sit here with the total biblical narrative. Diane mentioned this a couple Wednesday night ago. We have the whole of Scripture, and people in those days might have had a book or maybe a section of Scripture. But here we are with, with the totality of Scripture... And yet we still have ideas that conflict who God is. Lord, help us to find those things today. I want to talk about something that Zacchaeus teaches us here. He is quite the guy when we think about it. I mean, think about his, his, his whole side of this story. He showed up and knew that there was something special about this Jesus guy. He couldn't see him, but that didn't stop him. So he took the high ground, and he was ready to listen. So I ask you, when was the last time that you postured yourself in such a way that nothing was going to hinder you from hearing from Jesus? We can make all kinds of excuses, but as just keeps coming up each and every week, we have to be a listening people. So what happens when we're trying to listen, but we can't hear? Maybe we need a different posture. Let me show you. So Zacchaeus, he couldn't see Jesus, but he knew that Jesus was hay, right? 
And so he thought, I'm a short dude, or maybe Jesus is short, we don't know, but I'm a short dude, and the crowd is blocking, and I need to see, because if I can't hear, I might as well not even be there. So Zacchaeus, you know, I, I looked it up, a sycamore tree could grow all the way up to 200 feet tall. But Zacchaeus wouldn't need to climb to the top. I mean, let's be real, he'd just need over some people. So Zacchaeus probably would have gone maybe at least here to the first branch, right? The, the first branch that was thick enough to hold him. You all look very different from this angle. I see more bald spots than I knew existed. Just kidding. George and Gerald, no, I'm not talking about them. Did I say Gerald? I meant Dennis. I said the wrong name. But here's Zacchaeus. He's up in a tree. How silly do I look right now? If Zacchaeus was here today and Jesus was there, I don't think he'd be worried about what he looked like up in this tree. He knew that in his current posture, he was not going to see Jesus. He knew that he was not going to experience God. So what did Zacchaeus do? He took the initiative and said, I need a different posture. And he, was, he, he, didn't, he didn't break through the crowd and say, I need to see that man. But he used God-given wisdom and said, huh, Jesus is traveling from there to there. He's going to pass that tree. And I used to climb that tree as a kid all the time. I'll just go climb it one last time. Church, I think sometimes show up and we don't have the right posture. We open our scripture and we don't have the right posture. Wondering, where is God? And God is saying... I'm speaking, but you're not approaching me with the right posture. I'm not telling you to go home and climb a tree. But I'm, what I'm telling you is, is that God is so consistently speaking and reaching out to you by provenient grace. And sometimes it's, it's our physical posture that makes a difference. You know, I, some people are really good at this. I've, I've, and many of you have told me this. Some of your best prayer times happens when you're walking and you're moving, and you're in nature. Maybe you've got your dog on a leash, and you're just going, and you and God are having alone time. We don't just experience God in dark prayer closets. For some people, that is an important posture. But for some of you, you say, that's how my grandmother met with Jesus, and I try, and I try, and I try, and I'm just not getting it. You might need a different posture. God might be leading you in a way that uses your strengths and says, I'll meet with you there. He is, what an incredible idea, right? He was willing to change his physical to hear from God. He climbs up the tree, Jesus comes down the road, and what happens? The first thing that Jesus says, what does he tell him to do? He tells him to change his posture. <laughs> Zacchaeus, Cool, I can see you, but now get down. <laughs> so Zacchaeus climbs down, and, and it says that Jesus told him to hurry. I wasn't going to hurry down the ladder, because that could have been very bad this morning. But the first thing Jesus says is, thank you for being in a posture where I can see you. Now I'm going to take you to a new posture. <laughs> I'm going to take you, and, and not, you're not coming to my house, but I'm going to enter in your house. <laughs> That's powerful. <laughs> So then, what is Zacchaeus' response? 
Zacchaeus immediately, without a shadow of a doubt, says, okay, come on, let's go. He wasn't thinking about the dishes. He wasn't thinking about are the beds made. He wasn't thinking about sweeping. He said, come on, Jesus, because you're the one that needs to be in my house, and I know it. I know that it's necessary for you to be there. You know it's necessary for you to be there, so come on, let's go. Let's go home. We learn one more thing from Zacchaeus. Not only was he in a posture that allowed him to listen, he took a posture that allowed him to respond. So often I think that we come to a corporate gathering like this, and we do, we take a posture. Sometimes we even take a posture around an altar, and we hear from God, and we get those feelings inside, and we're just like, oh, the Holy Spirit's moving. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And we think that coming to the altar was our response. (laughs) No. The altar is just a place where we can ask God, what's next? How do I need to respond? And church, I think everything begins to change when we become a people that no longer, we don't just say that this was our response, but our response is what we do when we get up from these altars. And we say, okay, God, how should I respond? Zacchaeus came down, and he encountered Jesus, and then what happened? He said, let's go to your house. When we come down to altars, or even in your seats, or even in your prayer closets, or on your walk, when God is speaking to you, and, and pouring into you, and you feel that, and you sense that, He's calling you to something. And we have to have a posture that allows us to respond. This week, I had, uh, I had lunch with a beloved member of our congregation, and, uh, and we went down here to Cheddar's, and we, we just had a great time chit-chatting and catching up. It was, it was fantastic. But at Cheddar's, we got into a conversation with our waitress, and we started talking and um, joking with her and, and all this. And then um, the, the person that I was having lunch with, they said, oh, he's the pastor of the church right here in your backyard. And I thought, great, thanks. So, and then, so she, she told us about how she's a believer, but she said, you know, I miss church so much. She said, but I have to work six days a week. She said, I'm a single mom with, with four teenagers. She said, and I have to work six days a week to make it through. Her living situation is super expensive. It was the only thing she could find to, to put a roof over her kid's head at the time. And, and so we're sitting there, and she walks away. And, uh, and my heart was just stirring. And I thought... Hmm. Come on, God, give, give me wisdom. Give, give me something good, you know. To, you know, I, I couldn't just write a check. I mean, that, I wish I could have, but I, I, I feasibly couldn't. And so I thought, so next time she came back to refill our drinks or something, and I looked her in the eyes and I said, thank you for being vulnerable and telling us your story. I said, how could our church serve you? And she literally took a step back. And uh, I don't know. She said, but prayers for my car. I need a new engine or a new car. Prayers for a better housing situation. And then she goes on to tell me the rest of the story. She says, Ryan, let me tell you. She said, I'm a single mom because my husband passed two years ago. She said, we were both addicted to pain pills. 
and we were him for six years, and I got clean, and he didn't. She was a teacher. She has a master's degree in English. She was very successful, and, 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 and so his heart eventually just gave up, and so here she is with four children, four teenagers. She's working six days a week at Cheddar's, and I just, I, I kept stirring, and I thought, how can I respond? And let me tell you, I didn't say any magic words. <laughs> I didn't come up with a great answer. But it was in that moment that my sermon was completed because I, I knew the next step of a posture <laughs> of response. We don't always know exactly how to respond in those moments. We don't know exactly how to do something. But I think we can so easily get up from the altars or leave one of those conversations and just set aside the response part. Church, I think sometimes responses take prayer and consideration and time and asking God, how can I respond in this situation? So I'm going to respond to that situation. I'm going to go back and talk with her, and, and there, but I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But I think if I never go back and seek her out, I think I haven't done my part in response. And yeah, there hasn't been a lightning bolt moment of God saying, go do this. Or run and ask the board if they're okay if the church does this. For... No, th- none of that. But I just sense God saying, just keep listening. Just keep listening. And when I tell you to respond, respond. So I tell you that story today, not to, to make you cry or feel, ter- feel terrible or anything. I tell you that story because there's so many practical ways in our lives that we can respond that we push to the wayside. You know, that, that's why when you were a teenager and you went to teen camp and on Thursday night everybody came down to the altar, I believed that God was working there. But what happens is then you get home and that duty to respond you just kind of forget about it. If you're not intentional, you forget about it, and then all of a sudden, you get to camp ne- the next year, and you're like, man, I remember that, but I didn't do anything with it. <laughs> I didn't respond to what God was doing in my life. So today, I want to invite you to take a posture of response. It's going to look so different for everyone. You know, and, and, and normally in a church service, as I said earlier, we say, I'm going to respond by coming down to the altar. And that is a response, but it's just the, the tip of the iceberg of how we respond to what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes responding to what God is calling us to is, is being generous and giving, knowing that God is an abundant supplier and will never run out. Sometimes our response is giving something up. Because it's come between us and God. And sometimes that looks like saying, Lord, being in right relationship with you is more important than anything I have. So take half of what I own. I'll give it away. Everything I owe anyone, I'll just give them four times. Because it it doesn't matter. But I want to be in right relationship with you. Sometimes we don't know exactly how God wants us to respond, but other times we know exactly what God is calling us to. But we don't take that final step in carrying it out in our response.
Today, if you need to respond to God, please do it. I'm going to ask that the worship team would all come, and we're, we're going to just sing that last song that we sang again that's, that proclaims, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Again, today, I, I, it, it's my prayer as your pastor that we would all take a step further than we have been. We don't just say, thank you, God, for meeting us in that sanctuary. Thank you, God, for touching my heart and stirring something new within me. But we say, God, thank you for that. And I know that you're calling me to something. Help me to respond. Help me to take a posture of response. For the next few moments and as we sing, let's posture our hearts Maybe you need to posture your body. Maybe you need to stand. Maybe you need to sit. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to write in your journal. But let us respond in the same way that Zacchaeus did. That we would hurry out of our posture and we would say, Yes, Lord, come to my house. It's necessary that you're there and I need you there. I so desperately need you there. So help me to faithfully respond to that. So today I say receive from the Lord, His goodness. But don't stop there. We must be a people that have a posture of response. Let's sing together. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? God, today we want to be your people. And Lord, that goes beyond just our special moments with you, but that goes forward into responding. Lord, today may we be a people that live in a response, a people that say, all right, God's spoken to me, and I better do something about it. I can't just go about the same week like I did last week and, and, and repeat it this week, but know that, God, you're calling us to change. You're calling us to newness. Lord, may we have the same attitude as Zacchaeus, and that we would say, we would hurry down from our posture where we met you, and we would ask you where to, where should we go? Lord, we won't care what the crowd says or wonders why you've chosen us, but Lord, may we be faithful. We don't ask that, that, that we be picked, but Lord, would you just help us to be a people that posture our hearts and our minds and our bodies in such a way that we can hear from you, we can receive, but we can respond. As, as Zacchaeus set such a great... Um, a great example for us in this text today. God, we're thankful. Thankful for your presence here. Thankful that we can sing these words, that you are holy, holy, holy. And there's no name that we would rather worship today, but the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. That's Jesus, our Lord. And it's in that precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated.